Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nomenclature. My name is Brandon Henderson. My guest today is Frank Castillo, and you chose the word marijuana to discuss. Um, Frank won the second ever roast battle on Comedy Central. He's a hilarious comedian, and he's a big advocate for marijuana. And uh, I have to say, one of the first times I ever uh, used marijuana was in the great country of Canada, from which, uh, from whence I have come. And uh, I remember being uh, at a, a friend's house from high school. I was, uh, by the way, I should mention, I was in my 30s at the time. And uh, I was hanging out with a friend I hadn't seen in a long time. And he, a uh, single guy, had a couple of roommates that were in their 50s. And they were all... Um, like roofers and, and uh, uh, construction type workers and, and all much stronger than I was. And the, the guys he, he worked with that, that were a little bit older um, were a little rough around the edges. And I remember we were uh, sitting in his garage and, uh, you know, taking hits of, of the old uh, uh, cannabis. And um, we came inside afterwards and one of his roommates just kind of looked at me and I'm sure it meant absolutely nothing to the guy, but to me, it meant that he was going to murder me. And so I immediately uh, left my friend's house as quickly as humanly possible because I was so terrified that I was going to get murdered. And I went to the nearest uh, Chinese restaurant and got a, a dinner for 24 people you know, they have like the combos uh, for, for families uh, or large parties. And I got the uh, dinner for 24 and I had a, a Jeep Wrangler at the time. And I drove my Jeep to the uh, parking lot of a Walmart and ate almost the entire dinner for 24 while staring out every window, certain that at any moment, uh, my friend's roommate was going to find me, kill me, and uh, dispose of my body in a uh, some sort of ungodly uh, manner. And um, that's uh, that basically sums up my relationship with with weed. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode of Nomenclature with my uh, guest, Frank Castillo, uh, as we again speak about the word, talk about the word marijuana, which by the way has a, a huge history and a huge etymology and a very racist etymology and a very xenophobic, xenophobic etymology. And uh, uh, so I hope you, uh, you know, get out your dictionaries and your history books and uh, enjoy this episode uh, with my very special guest, Frank Castillo. I'm at that age where I legitimately could love nothing more than to watch other adults um, look for a house. Buy it's a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's it's a delightful thing to watch. Do you want to buy a house? I, I, I just, we just bought a house like a week, not even a week ago. 
Wednesday, last, last Wednesday, we, we closed on a house. Um, we, we, uh, my wife and I have uh, a combined family with five kids. And so we need, we need more. A house. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we got more space and I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna get like a condo. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to own a house. Yeah. Uh, I, Hey, if I, uh, if I didn't have a, a million children, I would, I would be one of those like dudes in the uh, industrial like loft thing or, or like the, uh, I would Girl, say no, I would too. Right. Aren't they the coolest? Like you see yeah. them on all the TV shows, like yeah. the guy, it's all like, it looks like it's freezing. Probably like you can drive your motorbike because I would ride a motorcycle because you know, I wouldn't have responsibilities. Yeah. I'd ride I, my motor. Of, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course I'd ride my motorcycle into like just open the garage straight in it would be a big chain big fucking chain to open up my garage door i'd ride my motorcycle and park it right next to my bed so that my pillow smelled like exhaust and all of the girls would think i was like super tough and and sexy and stuff yeah 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 i'm into it yeah you know what i mean but uh but alas we we bought a a a, a split level that was built in 1959 that has oh man i and I, I'm telling you right now, I can't wait. I am. We haven't moved into officially. <laughs> We're moving on yeah. Saturday, but I am delighted. I. Where's that? So we live in Park City, Utah, right now, uh-huh. uh, and we're just moving down to Salt Lake City. So we're still going to be like up, kind of in the mountains. It's like 15 minutes away from where we're at right now. But are you super Mormon? I was raised Mormon. But I am. Oh, okay. Uh, My wife just goes, Jesus, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, who the hell are you talking to? Well, no, because we come from, we're from Temecula. So there's a, a large population of Mormons. My best friend was Jack Mormon growing up. Yeah. And uh, we got along famously. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're nice people. I used to go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to go to his uh, church all the time to get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> and you would go and, and uh, listen to the most boring uh, uh, music hymns ever sung yeah, in history. Yeah. And, and people would come up to you and tell you about uh, how uh, the Jews came to America. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a couple thousand years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, my, it was, it was great. Cause my best friend was like, also bipolar kind of and uh yeah. you know he he was all super mormon and then i came from the bay area which was like cultural melting pot so when we started hanging out he was just like oh you're so different than anyone i've ever met and i was yeah. like yeah man because i'm cool and then we just became <laughs> like really good friends but yeah. yeah it's a it's a strange uh thing to grow up in man i i was not jack i was mormon mormon i did the mission i my first wife where'd you we, go I went to uh, where they send the very, very best missionaries, which is Tallahassee, uh, Florida. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's basically everybody's response. They they were like, "Hey, let's send this kid to uh, uh, America's butthole to teach um, people about Jesus in America." But yeah, uh, I America went to Florida. Jesus. And it was so, it's such a bummer too when your friends uh, go to like 
you know, I had friends go to like Russia and to London and New York City and all this stuff. And then I went to Tallahassee. It's not as bad Dude, as going to Mesa. I got, though. You, I got you beat. I had a friend who was a Mormon and his mission was the next town over. <laughs> yeah, that's so much worse, man. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Canada and like I grew up in Alberta and every province is like, it's enormous, right? North to South. So it's like Alberta is like truly something like 20 hours drive between from Southern border to Northern border. It's enormous, but uh, I, I grew up with a kid that went to Edmonton on his mission. He grew up like around Calgary, which is such a bummer. You know, it's like your grandma comes up to Edmonton and you see her when you're knocking on people's doors and you want to get, if you're going to have to do that, you got to go somewhere a little crazy. Yeah. 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 You want to have fun. Yeah. You really want to feel like you're teaching people about Jesus. Right. You got, you want to go to a play, like you want to go to like the middle of China where no one's even heard of Jesus before. And you want to be like, there's this guy named Jesus and he's awesome. Yeah. You want people to be excited about it. Yeah. Uh, And most people are like, no, I've heard of him. I, I get it. But I have my particular way of thinking about the big J and they don't really want to hear about the, um, the religion that makes you wear <laughs> underwear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is your Jesus white or is he like my color? Oh God, he's, <laughs> he's so white. He's got like, he's got like blue eyes. Uh, <laughs> he's got like Captain America and shit. He's, he's got an MBA. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's the vice president of sales. He's really hoping to be the CEO. <laughs> Cough to get off, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Wait. So, do you smoke weed? I'm fascinated. Yeah. No. I, I'm. I'm. I'm a hard atheist now. Like okay. I've been out of the church oh, okay. for years. Oh, okay. Um. I. Uh, yeah. So I smoke. I do a smoke. Hard atheist. Does that mean a like hard. you beat the shit out of religious people? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like militant about. I. I should. Like what you claim? You're like whoa. <laughs> No, it's probably more more just uh, um, I'm too tired to try to believe in anything. <laughs> no, I get you. I'm like, um, I get, what, would, what would I be then? <laughs> my dad explained it once because like my one side of my family is like kind of Catholic. The other one's like kind of Christian. Yeah. Um, I was like, I guess uh, agnostic. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, yeah, yeah. Like it could be, you know, who knows? There's no real answer. I'm not. Yeah, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. That one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, and I, my mom <laughs> once described me. She's like, he doesn't like organized religion, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's a great way to put it. I I feel like I'm similar. I I'm not a dick about it. I I don't think I I don't personally believe it, but you know, I get why people do, and I get the perspective from which people that do believe in it come from. I, I was super into it for many many years, and you know, I'm not going to begrudge anybody, um, you know that that belief, um. If it's, yeah, that, you know, as long yeah, as it's not, hurt, it's not hurting anybody yeah. and it's good for them and it makes them happy, let's go. I, yeah. I don't have a problem. I mean, Catholics should totally be able to touch kids, but you're oh, right. Sure. About nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Mormon's the same. I mean, if you're in a position of authority, you oh, should uh, totally be able to touch a kid. I mean, <laughs> you're helping it. That's, <laughs> that, that's the price of admission. You know, you go in, you confess <laughs> your sins and you're like, you're How forgiven. You God? My turn. Um <laughs> to get a little something out of this. No, it's, it's fucked up, man. It, that's the thing is like the, that's what it came down to. I think, well, it's a lot of things, but 
the the position of power, the uh, inequity of it sometimes, and the abuse of it. Obviously, any any human being who gets some sort of power is going to abuse it. Unfortunately, because we're assholes. Um, just like you know, Mel Gibson. I have a Mel Gibson story. Do you want to hear my Mel Gibson oh, story? Absolutely. Since we're talking about Jesus and the abuse of power, I I have a. Uh, it's not a. It's a secondhand story. So I have a friend who is a, uh, a, a executive producer of a bunch of like kid shows, and yeah. he was in Australia, and he went out to dinner. Oh, did with you an- write his rant? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was scripted. <laughs> he, he had me change a couple lines. He was like, no, I'm not enough uh, anti-Semitic talk. Get some more in there. Let's amp that. Um, no, so he went to dinner with another producer and Mel Gibson in Australia for some crazy reason. And they were down there and <laughs> Mel Gibson was just like, we're going to take three steaks didn't ask him what they wanted. And he's like, I wanted exactly some temperature. I wanted exactly this. And the waiter goes away, brings back their food. Mel Gibson takes one bite of it. And this is when Mel Gibson was still Mel Gibson, by the way, like, you know, late nineties or whatever, <laughs> reading ladies thoughts and whatever was going on at the time. And, uh, uh, it comes back, he takes one bite and he's like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And starts screaming at the waiter and has him send it back. He's like, this is not 76 degrees or whatever the hell he had requested it and has him send it back and like creates this huge, enormous scene. And uh, my, my friend was very generous in his assessment of it. He's like, look, you know, the guy has been worldwide famous since he's 18. Everybody wants to like either bone him or be him at the time. And, uh, and it would be hard not to be an asshole. And that was his assessment. And mine is, I, I kind of just think he was, um, a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I can give him that pass of like, no, you're famous. So you, you, you get to be a dick. Yeah. No, I, this, I've met plenty of nice, famous people. Right. Exactly. I, I, they're actually more, more nice than not nice. Yeah. Frankly. I would be, I mean, if, if anyone has to worry about me getting famous and being a dick to them, it's like, you know, my family. <laughs> where it's just like you know i love each and every one of them you know i die for them but also like you know when i was seven they were fucking dicks to me so i'm gonna be you know what i mean like i have disposable income you don't think i'm gonna fuck with people are you kidding me that's it's a weird thing as you get do you feel like so your family was kind of uh, assholes when you were younger to you, like just mean a little bit. And well, I joke, I jokingly say that because I got picked yeah. on a lot by my cousins and stuff, okay. but like there definitely is probably like, uh, you know, the older I get and the more like stable I am with everything, the more there are sometimes I look back at stuff with, because uh, both my parents were single parents. So okay. for, for the longest time, a lot of their life and my life was like them just like trying to scramble to get stable and to figure it out. Yeah. So now that I'm finally like stable, like when I mean, I'm what 31 now. My parents were, oh God, so they were 30. Uh, they were just barely fucking figuring it out um, when I, when they were my age. So to be like 31 and then like, <laughs> you know, not me not asking them for money every month or like, you yeah. know, having like a crazy like drug problem or like an alcohol problem or like, you know what I mean? Like, I smoke weed and me and my wife watch movies and we go to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, um, I don't have, like, there's not like resentment towards anyone in particular that I grew up, but 
there are times where you look back and you're like, oh, you guys didn't have to make it that hard. You know what I mean? You guys didn't have to <laughs> be that way, you know? Or yeah. like, like, let's put it this way. Like, um, you know, I've had certain family members uh, tell me about just like how weed was a bad idea and all this jazz. And, and now I'm like writing for a uh, weed advertising agency. Yeah. I basically just write memes and shit for like a decent, like more than I was getting paid for my, a regular day job. Yeah. So fantastic. I'm just like, yeah. So I'm just sitting there like these motherfuckers were trying to fucking kneecap me for years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were just like, they just didn't have any imagination. Dude, they, we got a we got a lot to to talk about with with that word with with marijuana that you, you chose, um, and we'll get to that. By the way, like I I'm I love words because I'm a massive ridiculous nerd, um, and sometimes you get really surprised with the history of some of these things. And marijuana is a enormous word. It's an enormous word. It, it, I, I don't have enough time to unpack all of it, but Oh, really? That's oh, it's it's got such a crazy crazy history and a really fucked up history actually. Um yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah which I, you you probably are familiar with. I was unfamiliar with it all. But oh, um really? <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I don't know why I just had never thought about it, never heard about it, you know, all the stuff, but um it is interesting when you you talk about like family type stuff like I, I my, I spent every Sunday with my mom's family growing up. Like we would go out to my grandparents' farm and we would hang out and we would do all this stuff. And everyone, it's not that like, I, don't, I, don't, I have zero resentment. I shouldn't say zero. I have very little resentment. Uh, I, I just don't think about them. And they were such like dismissive people to me and especially like to to me and like my brother especially because we were kind of odd men out we were kind of the uh we were just we were not uh, part of the mold so to speak Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they were always just kind of uh at best dismissive and definitely you know dicks from time to time and so now like as an, as an adult, you know, how my mom be like, Hey, reach out to this person or you should really like wish this person a happy birthday or something, you know, just, and it's tiny effort. And I really should just be like, okay, I'll just be like, happy birthday. So, and so, but you know what? Fuck them all day. I give two shit. (laughs) I don't care. And they were such dick. Like I'm like a six, seven, eight year old kid that, and they weren't just dicks to me. They were dicks to to my parents, like such assholes. Yeah. yeah, And I want to be like, why, why? And I, I'm not, it's not vengeful. It's just, I'm not going to, I have so many other things to put my effort into and people exactly. that I love and care about. Why, why would I, why would I do it? Exactly. Uh, no, I might be an I, asshole. I don't know. No, 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 no. I feel it. My, um, you know, my wife um, is, uh, she had her master's in, uh, uh, she's a master's in psychology. She's a therapist, marriage and family therapist. Oh, wow. We talk about this all the time where, you know, I talk about how like I pro- I'm processing things and all this jazz and she's like, are you actually processing them or are they just making you more angry? So yeah, then there's yeah. times where like, I'll be like, you know, like fuck these people and stuff. And then she'll just be like, are you really like, you know, is it really fuck these people or are you just wasting more energy on them? And it's like, ah, shit. <laughs> and it definitely is tough because there's, you know, I have, you know, the family that I grew up with, that was a very a big part of like my formative years was very religious. And I wasn't, in their immediate family, I was, you know, my, I was my sister's half brother. You know what I mean? I was, okay. you know, my dad got, you know, my dad got them, you know, their daughter pregnant and shit, you know, and it was like a fam, but it was always that very, like, 
you know, I wasn't in, wasn't out. You know what I mean? They didn't really know how to like, it was just a very weird family dynamic. And um, they very, very much had these like, uh, they did not practice what they preach. And now that it's, that I'm older, it's like very funny to me. Cause it's like, you know, they're still very preachy about things. And I just want to just be like, well, like, you know, it's, it's not anyone else's fault. You guys still live on the East side. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, <laughs> I worked hard and got out. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like shit like that, where it's kind of like, you know, you could feel these way and or this certain ways about like society and the way things are, but you know, it's not, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it, there's a, there's a balance to strike. It's sort of like, uh, you don't need to involve yourself and create pain for yourself. But you also can allow yourself to not engage, you know, you don't have to, you don't always have to be the person that is quote unquote, the bigger person, you know, you're you, you just, you know, remove yourself yeah. sometimes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's okay. It's okay to, to just step away. You know. Yeah, we're yeah, because then you're just like, well, am I going to change this person with these words that right. I'm speaking? Even though if they're factual or true, it's just going to cause this person pain. And as much as I love that, is it really going to yeah. make me feel any better? You know what I mean? Yeah, because I, oh. I got some heat. You know what I mean? I got some. <laughs> woo! I got some lines ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been thinking about some comebacks for years and years and years, and they're they're yeah. killer comebacks. But uh, you know, it's not going to do me any good. Exactly. My wife's. I. I you know, my wife made a joke. Or I made a joke to my wife where it was just like, you know, it takes a lot for me not to say anything. Because, you know, when I was younger, my parents were <clears throat> separated. So I had the single parent on both family, on both sides of my family. Yeah. I was the family dynamic with everybody. Um, so a lot of things were never in my control and a lot of things were just not in my power. So now that I'm older, I can definitely feel um, myself be very short and very, you know, if there's if if I you know like like if I don't like someone I'm just like well I don't like you you know what I mean like yeah. you don't get to you don't have to be in my life yeah. you know what I mean like I don't have to go through the motions and it's it's very interesting when you start to start cutting people out or just being like no I don't want you in my life and yeah. then people like people freak the fuck out they do but I, I think it's such a healthy way to be I mean why I mean why spend the effort with somebody that is not going to bring something positive to your life. And it's not like, it's not about like only engaging with people that are going to just do shit for you. You're, you're like, I'm only going to talk to people that are going to give me shit or do things that I want yeah. them to do. It's, it's just, it's a positive energy thing. Um, yeah. that, that, that we all should sort of be after. Yeah. And it's an age thing too. Like I'm at, I'm at an age where I just, it's age and it's also life experience. You know, I've been through enough shit with, you know, just life and divorce and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That like, I just don't have the fucking energy, man. I just don't. Yeah. Let me ask you something. And this is an unfair question, but so you have single parents uh, growing up. So I've got, you know, three kids from my first marriage and their mom is still single. I've been remarried, but, um, I, I worry, man, I worry about, um, you know, I had to get out of my marriage for various reasons, lots of reasons, but I worry about like the cause and effect on them and the back and forth and the, um, yeah. you know, feeling unstable yeah. somehow. I try to do everything yeah, I can yeah. to make them feel stable, stable, but you feel like if you sort of mentioned like just not having, is it not having patience or you get 
you're just like, I don't have time for that. I'm only going to focus on the stuff that matters to me. Do you feel like it's a positive? Do you, do you know, I, I'm kind of asking a bunch um, of things at once. Not at all. Uh, so it was like, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't have my own bedroom until I was like 16. Like I slept oh, on the wow. floor at my like uh, step parents house. And like, is one of those things that like, once that shit kind of happens, you're just kind of like, well, there's nowhere else but up. So yeah. it, it, it did the, the drive in me, like definitely like, when because me and my wife talk about this all the time like i'll tell her shit about when i was younger and she'll just get quiet and sad and then she'll be like you know that's bad right and i'm like what (laughs) 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 she's like like, i think differently of your parents now (laughs) yeah "Yeah, i don't know if i can look your mom in the face (laughs) 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 you know shit like that and it's like you know it definitely made me the person that i am and like funny and all that jazz and i, I cracked jokes and it was like you know like all the fucked up shit that happened when i was younger just prepared me for like being poor and not having a bed just prepared me for like all the couch surfing i did as a comic you know what i mean like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it just prepared me for it t- you know prepared me for trying to make it as a comic but um you know i it it's interesting to see because you know i feel like i've i haven't let that be the thing that really like drags me down yeah. But I notice how that those choices um, by like my father, stuff like that, like I see that start to really weigh on him now. Like, and these are yeah. like where it's like, I feel fine with it. And it's like, oh, it's, I don't give a shit. That's far away. Like, I'm focusing on this comedy shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, things are great now. What's the point of worrying about shit like that? But I see that weigh heavily on him or like other people. And then it's just kind of like, oh, you can't forgive yourself. Well, that's yeah. different. You know what I mean? And then, it's just interesting to see like uh you know how those things kind of play into effect you know both my parents had they both did the single shit so they both were you know dating people and all this jazz and you know you really you know my mom had a lot of boyfriends my dad had a lot of chicks who was trying to fuck you know and the stories i talk about are hilarious but it was also like you know you you see people and you really figure out what you want in like a relationship but for the longest time I was bad at relationships, you know what I mean? And uh, just because you, you don't see like a positive one for a long time. So it's, I don't know. I still feel like I, I see the repercussions and then I'm still dealing with them of like how I was raised, you know, and not having the like stable nuclear family, which is interesting too. Cause like my mom's side of it too, like my mom is remarried and has kids and there's times where like, I see her like, she'll she has feelings towards my younger siblings because they have their dad they have their mom they have like a stable home they have bedrooms they have everything yeah you know so i see my mom still have these like regrets or resentments that it's like i didn't have that when i was growing up like it was just it was fucking tough like i had you know the mom who was still trying to finish college while like having her child like standing outside the door while she was going to class like just within eye shot while i was just playing with my toys because it was like yeah. she didn't have the babysitter you know what i mean so there's times where she'll like yell at the kids and just be like uh she'll be like you really fucking how hard your brother had it you lucky pieces of shit you know <laughs> stuff like that yeah but it's like there's times where i'll just be like you have to get over that you know what i mean like it's it's or she'll like my mom calls me all the time like she's like i, I want you to come visit i need you home I just miss you a lot, blah, blah, blah. And I can tell that it's like, oh, that's because you were working so hard to give this, to get us a better life and you just weren't around and you regret that a lot. But I'm also on the road 
a bunch of times out of the year to go do stand up <laughs> yeah. to try to get that validation that I didn't get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, what's funny about it is, is no matter what side of the coin you're on, you will feel like a shitty parent, even in the most quote unquote nuclear traditional, yeah. whatever family, like I'm, but the other crazy thing is like you, no matter what you'll always kind of fuck your kids up you know what i mean like uh, my of wife course. my wife works in eating disorders uh before at a hospital and she works a lot of teenagers and she was like you know we're getting parents with you she was like you can have the perfect home everything's great you know food blah blah every no no fighting about it like your kid can still have a thing yeah it just that's just how it is especially well, with the way society is oh yeah there's a there's a an infinite uh number of cocktails that mm-hmm. can create a, a particular issue for a kid like exactly my uh my wife and i have almost the entirely opposite situation with our children for example like her first marriage um her out of respect keeping it as vague as humanly possible her ex-husband uh is not involved right yeah. in in her son's lives my stepson's and um she is the one and only um really stable force in their life period whereas my situation is my ex-wife it's like a, a constant uh epic battle for uh custody and um sort of almost loyalty with, with the kids, which is not something that I, I, I think that there's plenty of room for everybody, but there is a, uh, and of course I'm going to come at this from my perspective and I'm sure she has hers, but my perspective is, is that she doesn't feel like uh, the kids can love her, her and me. So it's a constant mm. sort of battle the other way. Like I've got, mm. you know, so much court dates and and legal fights and stuff to have, um, to get more custody that I feel like is representative of what should happen. So we have joint custody, but I have less time than she has, which is traditional for a um, father, which is fucking stupid. But uh, that's never been my desire. I've always wanted to have 50-50 from the get-go. And yeah. so unless I have that, I feel like I'm not involved enough, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so I have that battle where she has no battle, you know, from beginning of the divorce, her ex was like, okay, bye, you know, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. nothing. And so she feels fully responsible. I feel like I'm only half there at best. And so like our stresses are fully opposite. Like the ways we feel guilty about parenting are complete. Like she feels like she's not enough uh, for them. I feel like I'm not around enough and blah, 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 blah. And it, it yeah, yeah. compounds and stuff, but we both yeah. feel like shit, <laughs> you know, which, uh, you know, at least it's consistent. We both feel like terrible parents just in completely different ways. Yeah. And we probably are terrible in completely different ways and good in different ways, but yeah, it's a bummer. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's get off Kids. this. And let's talk about weed, baby. <laughs> so, so you chose the word marijuana. Now, uh, clearly, you're a fan of, of the uh, substance in and of itself. But beyond that, 
tell me why you chose this word. Uh, tell me what you know about it, and let's get into it. Well, I know it's got a very long, long history. Um, the plant itself is, you know, has been used like through countless cultures, and it's been around forever. It's been used for like rope and just different kinds of uh, just materials in general. Um, also, just the propaganda against it throughout the history yeah. uh, of like America, and then also, um, oh, man, just uh, damn. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the timber and the rules. I know about um, uh, paper and the hemp uh, when that first kind of became a thing and yeah. the big history behind that too, which is insane. Um, but also, uh, you know, I just like the way that the uh, the word sounds, you know, marijuana. You know, it's just a fun, yeah. it's a fun <laughs> word. It is a fun word. It, uh, it really, like there's, like I said to you at the beginning, this is such it's a, it's a big one. Like, it's not just about etymology. It's, uh, and it sounds like, as you apparently know that uh, I didn't know, cause I'm a moron is that just, I'm not surprised by it, but I didn't know some of the details, just the interconnectedness with, uh, with race and xenophobia. And uh, there is some uh, complexity with just the, um, with the etymology itself and some question around exactly where marijuana comes from as far as a word is concerned um like uh you know there's some suggestion that it is actually based in a a chinese word which translates to hemp seed flower which is it's ma ren hua so m-a-r-e-n-h-u-a and then wow it was uh you know um used by spanish speakers and turned into marijuana uh but uh, it wasn't originally with the the J. It was more originally with a uh, an H or even a G um, when it was used uh, in Sp from or by Spanish speakers rather. Um, but it, what's really interesting is how the definition of what it did to you as a narcotic changed over time. So. Mm. One of the things, so so up until like the late 19th century, uh, it was, or even early 20th century, it was largely cannabis in English speaking. Mm -hmm. People refer to it as cannabis, or they would uh, refer to it as, um, uh, what, what what's the word? Why can't I think about it? Um, I've got it. I've got notes here. It would be like a like a um, an Indian. Uh, it, what's the Indian version? Um, oh, um, hashish. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So hashish, hashish or, or indica or whatever. Um, but so what happened was, uh, so late 19th century, I've got a quote and I'll, I'll read a, a, a second quote that will uh, sort of show the massive shift politically and how this became what it is now. Um, and, and hopefully we're pulling back on that a little bit. So this is uh, from the Western Journal of Medicine and Surgery in the year 1843, <laughs> okay? So this is how they described uh, cannabis at the time. So the resin of, resin of the cannabis indica is in general use as an intoxicating agent from the furthermost confines of India to Algiers. If the resin be swallowed, <laughs> almost invariably the inebriation is of the most cheerful kind causing the person <laughs> to sing and dance 
no way. Eat, eat food with great relish <laughs> and to seek aphrodisiac enjoyment. That's hysterical. <laughs> the, the intoxication lasts about three hours. When sleep supervenes, it is not followed by nausea or sickness nor any symptoms except slight giddiness. Okay. So that, that is the late 19th century uh, description of what happens when you smoke some weed or ingest some weed. Now, we go to the LA Times, 1905. So 20 some odd years later, not that long. And this is the difference. Uh, this is a quote from the LA Times, 1905. Not long ago, a man who had smoked a marijuana with an H cigarette attacked and killed a policeman and badly wounded three others. Six policemen were needed to disarm him and march him to the police station where he had to be put into a straitjacket. Such occurrences are frequent. People who smoke marijuana finally lose their mind and never recover it, but their brains dry up and they die most times suddenly. Oh my God. <laughs> so the difference Right. So the first one we're talking about cannabis indica and it's this like lovely, uh, you know, a little giddy, a little silly. It, it sounds like you're watching uh, half baked or something. Right. And then 20 years later, it's marijuana. And you're going to if you do it, you're going to murder people. And then you you yourself are going to die. That's... And there's there's a, a reason for this, clearly. Um, there's, uh, I don't know if you ever read, uh, reefer madness. Yep. So, uh, it's a, a, a book, also a, an article in the Atlantic in, uh, 1994. Um, and so I, I, I have a quote from this and then I'll, I'll stop talking quite so much, but no, 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 please. What's really interesting about this is, is sort of what, uh, uh, uh the author, Eric Schlosser, I can't, I'm not pronouncing his right name right, um, brings up. So he says the political upheaval in Mexico that culminate, culminated in the revolution of 1910 led to a wave of Mexican immigration to states throughout the American Southwest. And something as an aside that's interesting is that during that time, Mexico itself was actually had a really big anti-marijuana campaign going on in the country. Um, so politically in Mexico, it was very looked down upon. And then you had the revolution, which pushed people into the US. And then, of course, because of xenophobia and, and America, um, there's all this. Yeah, because, you know, America. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> hashtag greatest country in the world. Um, uh, this happened. So uh, to continue with his quote, uh, the prejudices and fears that greeted these peasant immigrants also extended to their traditional means of intoxication, smoking marijuana. Police officers in Texas claimed that marijuana incited violent crimes, aroused a lust for blood, and gave its users superhuman strength. I think this is crack. I don't. I think they're mixing. No, that. no, it was yeah. Well, that's the thing is like <laughs> meth. Yeah, you hear about um, the same kind of propaganda with crack, but also you know why uh, the forty-five was created, right? The forty-five. Oh, the, the yeah. gun. Yeah, the the no. caliber. No. So Mo, Brian Moses talked about it on the, the Rogan podcast, but the 45 was was created because uh, when cocaine was legal, they would give dock workers uh, cocaine, you know, black dock workers cocaine so they could work all night. Um, and, uh, you know, this white girl said she was, you know, raped by one of these dock workers. And, uh, you know, the cops came, they shot him a bunch. But it was all hopped up on cocaine. So he, like they shot him like six times and it took like it took forever to kill him. So. 
Yeah. They made a bigger bullet and a bigger gun. Yeah, it was crazy. Jesus. Right? It's terrifying. If 45 blow your entire chest off and, you know, yeah. kill your elderly neighbor through her wall. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy, um, and that's the thing is, is, is this escalation thing, right? You know, you you have this this fear mongering, and then you've got to create. It paves the way for creation of of laws and, like you say, saying weapons and who the hell knows what else to put down the fear. Um, and, and speaking of, you know, this the writer continues to say he says rumors spread that Mexicans were distributing this quote killer weed to unsuspecting American school children. <laughs> Sailors of uh, <laughs> sailors and West Indian immigrants brought the practice of smoking marijuana to port cities along the Gulf of Mexico. In uh, New Orleans, newspaper articles associated the drug with African Americans, jazz musicians, prostitutes, and underworld whites. So, <laughs> sounds so much fun. Oh, I, I that's where I want. I, seriously, if someone's like, hey. <laughs> Do you want to go to New Orleans and hang out with some African Americans, jazz musicians, prostitutes, and underworld whites? I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" Yeah, you ever look at the old? Uh, there's old propaganda posters for marijuana. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's like, um, "Careful from like, careful of the devil's lettuce" or something like that. And it's like, you know, uh, you'll be in like, you know, it leads to orgies and blah blah blah, like ridiculous shit. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the best. Oh, do you know what? Maybe, maybe I have. To. Hello, Kitty. What's your cat's name? Honey. Honey. We have we have a a, a cat named Bear Bear, and uh, and two dogs. And I want a dog. They're all not smart. Um, one of them has three legs, and sometimes he forgets <laughs> that the the one leg. Uh, is is not there and he tries to put weight on it but it's not there and so he just falls and it's uh, honestly it's funny I know I should feel bad for him but it's hilarious um, so uh, it, it's a really fascinating history and and the reason why also that uh, it, it got pushed from cannabis to using the word marijuana was was just this aggressive xenophobia they yeah. wanted to press and I read in this article, they wanted to press the Mex quote unquote Mexicanness of, mm -hmm. of the, uh, of the, of the drug. And mm -hmm. it's such a, uh, clear cut case. Like it's so hard to, uh, it would be, so, yeah. it would be so hard to argue. And it's so funny how pervasive it has been for such a long time. Yeah. It um, kind of puts a lot of things into perspective with what's going on now. Right. Oh, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Well, I, I, no, I was I, sorry. I, this is a magical case of Waikai discovers that uh, uh, racism is is deeply seated in American culture uh, <laughs> from a very clear perspective. I mean, you, you know it is, and and I, I I would like to think of myself as a, a somewhat educated person on the on the uh, on the subject from time to time, but I also know that I'm a fucking moron. Oh yeah, man. My my mom. Uh... My mom says some shit like my mom says wild crazy shit all the time, and then like every once in a while I'll look it up and I'm like, oh fuck, what? Like you know, she'll talk about like the paper genocide or uh, you know uh, Operation Wetback or um, oh, you know uh, just different things that have happened. Like uh, you know, Mike, she always likes to remind me to tell me this story. Is my you know my grandfather when he came and became he joined the military and that's how he got his citizenship here. But you know they used to um, 
like flyer bomb Mexico at the border with like Mexico City, like with flyers being like, you know, compadre, come help your, you know, come help your American neighbor build America, like blah, blah, blah. You know, like they would litter the streets with flyers, you know, yeah. and you would just cross the border. And that's, you know, that's how you join the military, got a citizenship, all that jazz. And, you know, it's just so funny to see uh, the the crazy turn, you know, and yeah. uh, all the stuff that's going on. But yeah, it's wild. It, it's wild. And I, I feel, uh, you know, uh, you know, pretty stupid about it. I, it's, it's funny. I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who his parents are uh, from a couple of Caribbean islands and they moved uh, to the States and he was going to school uh, and the police came and, and even not growing up like in America proper, you know, as the police came to the school, I should say, to do like that, what police do uh, coming in and being like, we're the police, you can trust us, we're the best. And they, they did like uh, fingerprinting of all the kids so that like if anybody ever got uh, kidnapped, yeah. right, that they, uh, they would have their fingerprints in the system. And this buddy of mine, you know, who is, is black, he was like, he went home and told his mom, he's like, hey, I need you to sign this form uh, for me to get my fingerprints done so that they can, you know, uh, save me if I get kidnapped. And his mom was like, you will never do that. She's like, you, yeah. you will not give your fingerprints to the system so that they can use you as a you know suspect of convenience if they have to. And exactly. you know, the fact that that conversation happens is so crazy and would never in a million years happen in a white home. It just wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I also like, uh, you know, we look at, um, I got to see, so I went to two different schools in two different like spots. I went in the Bay Area, uh, Piedmont Hills, which is uh, like, you know, multicultural, blah, blah. And I got to go to like a military town, Great Oak High School in uh, Temecula, California. And uh, I got to see what it was like when uh, recruiters would go to both kinds of schools, you know, like. Yeah. In the Bay Area, a lot of those guys were like, you know, Marines or they were like on the front lines and like. Great Oak, this, you know, that school, a little more proper. All those guys were like getting into officer school and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, yeah, to- to- like totally different kind of like, uh, yeah. Yeah, what's uh, expendable pipeline. and what's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're very interesting. It's bananas. It, well, and th- this is the thing. This is why words to me are so important. Uh, is you know you the the word marijuana gets thrown around like wildfire. It's it's big in popular culture. It's big you know, in the day to day. And it's a, it's a joke. It's funny uh, for a lot of people and, and, and that's fine. And, and it can be funny for sure, obviously. Um, but there's this massive history behind it too, that yeah, there's a lot of people in prison, doc. <laughs> dude, I, I, this is what's so fucking, what is going to happen when inevitably we legalize this federally? Like the, these guys are going to continue to rot in jail. That's the thing. Like they yeah. will not get released. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, there's, you know, me and my grandfather uh, always talk about this where he's, you know, his whole thing is like, you know, reparations, like blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like reparations. It's like, well, the marijuana industry is the probably the best way for us to atone for our sins in the sense that, you know, equity is important. You know, is, is right. 94% of the people in, in jail over marijuana offenses are fucking like people of color, black or brown, you know, 4% yep. of uh, dispensary owners are all people of color you know what i mean 
Yep. And so it's like, you know, there's got to be, there's a better way to do it, you know, and uh, I think giving back uh, that way is the easiest way. And it's, uh, you know, it's it kind of makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and we're at, at the youngest part of the market and that if we do do it this way, it's, it's, it's now's the time to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know, it's, it's a complex, uh, sort of situation. I don't know how exactly the best way to go about that thing is. Um, mm -hmm. but it, the destigmatization, is that a word? Um, yeah. I think is, is one of the biggest first steps, you know, like I, I have conversations with my parents about, about weed. I, I feel like there's, there's still very active Orthodox Mormons, right? So like coffee, uh, beer, weed, anything is bad, right? To them. So they're more comfortable though, even though my, my dad's parents were alcoholics, my mom's grandfather was an alcoholic. Uh, they're more comfortable with me drinking than, than they would be with me smoking weed which is crazy to me because they got that they got that shit in syrup now oh yeah you yeah put that in your coffee you know what I mean? yeah well and i i've been trying really hard my mom has uh, rheumatoid arthritis she's had breast cancer i'm trying so hard to be like please smoke some weed um it will help Dude, you yeah truly or like it get get like a, a bomb they have that they have creams you, you know what i mean like they right exactly Abuelas used to fucking get weed and put it in alcohol and then rub it on their ankles. Like that is, yeah. that's old school Mexican lady shit. Yeah. Well, I tried to say to her, I was like, what's the difference between that and you going to your doctor and then like injecting morphine in your hands so you can, you know, pick up, uh, you know, a, a cup to drink. Like that's so that's, much worse. You know? Yeah. Much more detrimental. So much more. Um, but, you know, there's that's that just decades hundred years stigma. plus of of stigma that she yeah. just can't and get past you know what that's from that propaganda originally came from no so the they were like very close to creating the hemp gin i think the hemp gin either uh i'll have to look into it either the hemp gin came first or the cotton gin came first but the people that own the newspapers and shit basically also owned the cotton gin so uh, they ran a whole smear campaign against hemp and marijuana. Yep. So that's why paper and all that jazz took off. Cause it was originally, I mean, the declaration of independence is written on hemp paper. <clears throat> hemp was around really? and was a, yeah, it was a thing that materialized rope strength. Like it was being yep. used at the time, but because cotton gin and that fucking Duda on those newspapers was the guy who was like, nah, man, he ain't fucking up a shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like a yeah. That's all. It's a whole part of history. It's crazy to hear. Uh, uh, of course, the, the the thing is, is you say it, and it's like naturally. Uh, of course, that's the case. That the the not to make it about me, but you know, I I am a selfish asshole. The um the founder of the the Mormon Church, Joseph Smith. Uh, there was some printing presses that were printing negative stuff about him, and he went and had them all destroyed. Uh, so. <laughs> So they would stop saying bad stuff. And that's ultimately what uh, got him killed too. He then a mob came <laughs> yeah. and, and found him and uh, shot him to death. So uh, <laughs> sorry. that shit happens. The Mormon story is so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, re it's so ridiculous. The, the thing that you just, when you get on the other side of the wall, like I try to describe, like when you're on one side, like you're on the Mormon side of the wall, you can't imagine it not being 
real because it's so ingrained and it's so all-encompassing mormonism is like it's it's, it's not like you know uh going to going to church once or twice a year or whatever like it's three hours of church every sunday you're going a couple more hours in the middle of the week it's like you you your friends are mormon everybody it's super insular yeah 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 it's a huge thing but once you climb over that wall man you look back and you're like holy hell this is like looney tunes well also you know when you're fucking like regular religious and you're like you know fucking noah joseph the amazing talent color dream code or whatever story that was uh you know (laughs) and then you hear about you know mormonism you're just like yeah yeah you wouldn't question it because you just heard a story about a dude fucking part in the water in the fucking sea yeah yeah if your baseline like seeing ice stones in fucking america yeah this is a story for me (laughs) Well, it's, it's really funny. There's, especially out here in Salt Lake, like there's, you know, the heart of, of Mormonism, but also the heart of like ex-Mormonism. So there's like people getting tattoos of Joseph Smith's face and like a hat looking at, oh, really? at, at cause he, he quote, you know, supposedly translated like the Book of Mormon yeah, by yeah. staring in a, a hat with, at some yeah. stones. Yep. And so it's just like this dude with his face and like a top hat, you know, I've seen yeah, guys yeah, like yeah. tattoos of that, you know, it's like, it was they really fun. So oh funny. yeah, it's really fucking funny. I, I've seen people with like a, a tattoo of like the Salt Lake Temple like on fire and like people jumping oh. out the windows. People are very oh my god, very upset. That ex-Mormon lifestyle, bro. That ex-Mormon lifestyle, they love it. You can't. That's the thing about Mormons. You, you can't. Well, you can. It's getting better, but for a long time you couldn't go just from like being a Mormon to being uh, just like Not a regular Mormon. person. You know, you would go from Mormon to like putting heroin in your eyeballs and getting yeah, blood like, in, blood out, dog. Oh yeah, you you got to go fucking crazy. Like when I was first divorced, I went to a a a party with a bunch of like recently recent ex Mormons, probably, and like someone's parents were there, and oh. it seemed very normal. Like people were having some beers and stuff, but then I like walked down the stairs. And on my left, some people were doing Dance Sense Revolution, like on the TV, you know, like very wholesome. And then the open door to my right was a room of about 20 people having an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my my friend had like the best, uh, like, so like in the Bay Area, like I had a friend. So like, ah, okay, how do I put this? My best friend's sister, yeah. um, you know, we ran into each other recently, not recently, but maybe like a few years ago. And she's like an adult now. She has like a house legit job like yeah she's a professional woman you know she's a person yeah and i remember she had like this is maybe she was like in her late 20s <clears throat> her late 20s and we were like talking and shit and she was like you know sometimes i feel weird because you know i don't go out and i feel like i'm not living my life i'm just like working and working and working and i have all these things and you know but, but i just don't know if it's like the fulfillment and she like calls me one day and she goes hey man i just had to call you and tell you that like uh you know i i just saw someone i spent my childhood doing fucking cocaine at this party there was like a reunion for all of us from high school yeah. and now i'm and now i'm just so happy i'm an adult and i was yeah. dying laughing and she was just like this is a person that was like such a good goody 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 per- good person like to, like i yeah. watched this person be extremely religious our whole lives and then to see this kid you know what I mean? like like he, she walked in and they were doing coke and she like watched him as he did she was like it was like everything went to slow motion <laughs> like i just watched like all the innocence that i imagined and knew of this guy just go <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, i was like that's hilarious 
is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I think that's good to break that shit down. Um, but uh, uh, hey, buddy, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this and educating me uh, on this stuff. Like, I'm going to read about this for the next couple of days, I think. I think I've got to jump into it a little bit deeper and find out a little bit more. But this was this was a lot of fun. I, I, I appreciate you, you taking the time. And then we My can figure out the, the right time, finally. Yeah, yeah, I know. Once we both figured it out. I yeah. was in my underwear uh, when you texted me, and I was like, "Oh, I got to put pants back on." Okay. <laughs> yeah, you could have kept them off. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep it. We keep it loose, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks, Frank. You, you. This was delightful. Truly, I my appreciate pleasure. it, man. Thank you so much, man. Anytime.